Think of the difference between an iPhone video and a Sundance film. Camera audio versus a studio track. A novice or someone with experience. Sure, each has their place, but which will have maximum impact? Summer Shower Productions, a black-owned, woman-owned production company built to create valuable and inspirational content for you. Whether it's a promotional video, a short film, interviews, event photography, or utilizing our extensive editing and post-production tools to take your already captured content to the next level. We always bring creativity, integrity, and passion to every project we produce. So, consider Summer Shower Productions for your next project. Let's build something great together. What's going on, folks? It's your boy again back in the building, Dr. Sean Thomas, for episode 54 of the Be More Today show. We are back, we are back, we are back in the building. And, folks, it's been a great year. It is springtime. You already know we are in April, so it is the holiday season. Uh, happy Easter for all you who are out there. Passover for you as well. And Be More Today is uh, always pushing forward with our holiday show for Easter. Love to bring you guys great content for this holiday season. And as you guys know, we've been doing our thing, right? Be more safe everywhere now. We're here in 34 countries doing our thing across all platforms. Uh, And we thank you so much for your support. You've been uh, feeding us as we've been feeding you this entire time. So thank you for your love and your support as always. We really, really appreciate it. And I brought my my colleague, my main man on the show today because I haven't seen him in such a long time. T. Farrell, uh, host of the Words for Life show, and he's here with me today. T. Farrell, what's going on, man? Man, everything is good. Everything is good. I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking towards the future with anticipation. So many good things on the, on the horizon. Yeah, it's been, it's been a fun year, and it's been a fun journey for both of us. And I'm just glad you're here with me today for our special guest. Uh, the quote I have for today actually is very, very simple as always, and it says, "When they say you've changed." You say I've grown. Uh, I found this on one of our our guest pages, and it's it's powerful to me for a number of reasons. You know, it's funny because this is the week where Lent ends for a lot of people. They started giving things up about forty days ago, right? And we have Passover and Easter, which is a great time for us to reflect on life and just remember where we've been and where we are. And um, you know, if you're a believer of any of any sort, um, recognizing that you know we are all grateful to be here because of an event that happened. Um, but it's so interesting to see how even during this pandemic, you know, a lot of people are coming out now as things are opening, uh, building are reopening. I went to a Nick game actually last week for the first time. And, you know, people are going out. Things are happening now. And you're seeing new friends that you haven't seen in a year. And you're recognizing that, you know, people look different. People have changed. You know, people have grown. And and it's it's encouraging to me to recognize that during this time of trauma and of all these different um, roadblocks that we've seen, people have found a way to make it. They found a way to be better. They found a way to grow. They found a way to change. Um, Some have gotten rid of baggage. Some have gotten rid of other things. And they're moving forward during this time to make sure that 2021 is going to be different. And I think that's what you and I always talk about, Terrence, is making sure that we can inspire others. Be more today wise or worse for life, you know, whatever our, our podcast may be, just to recognize that, you know, we're blessed. 
We're still blessed to be here. We're so blessed to be around uh, and to use this time to, to make a difference, to be to be different uh, and to be better and to grow. So I'm excited for this year. Um, it's been a good start for me and I know for you as well, Terrence. I don't know what your thoughts were on, on that on that quote. You've changed. No, 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 no. I've grown. What are your thoughts on that? Um, it's it's I'm glad you brought it up. It's 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 one of those things where a lot of times when you're when you're immature, um, when people say you've changed, your automatic response, no, I haven't. I haven't changed. I'm still the same guy. I'm still cool. I'm still, but if you're growing, you're always changing. Change is, change is inevitable. And changing for the better is, is going to leave some people like mesmerized. Like, but you used to do this, but I don't do that anymore. I'm, I've grown since then. So it's, it's just the, the, the phrase is cool. And I think if people dwell on it without the knee-jerk response of, no, I'm still the same. I'm still cool. I'm the same guy. It's, it's okay to grow. It's okay yeah. to change. So yeah. I like the quote. I like it. Yeah, I agree with that. And my guest on the show, folks, is the embodiment of that. He is the changer. Um, I got to say, we both have had the pleasure of interacting with him in various capacities. Uh, he is none other than our friend uh, and our pastor, Pastor Edsel B. Cadet. Now, Pastor Cadet, also a March baby, shout out to March Babies, of course, was born and raised in Queens, New York, and is a graduate of Sony. Brook University of Long Island, New York, with a Bachelor's of Arts in English. In the midst of his undergraduate studies and while preparing to enter law school, he experienced the call of God to ministry. His post as the Vice President of Stony Brook Gospel Choir and coordinator of Friday Night Live at the Baraka SDA Church served to spark his love for God and passion for ministry. Now, shortly after completing his studies at Stony Brook University, he was enrolled at Andrews University, Theological Seminary, where he received a Master's of Divinity degree. While at Andrews University, he served as the administrative pastor of New Life Fellowship, the host of Sabbath School University on the Hope Channel, one of the founders and the presidents of Andrews University Adventist Youth, A-U-A-Y, as well as one of the lead student chaplains for the university. He is currently the pastor of the Cambridge SCA Church in Everett, Massachusetts, where he they are blessed to have acquired a $2.3 million worship facility, and they experienced wonderful growth as they, the attendance has doubled since 2017. Edsel has a passion for mental health and is currently pursuing a master's in clinical mental health counseling with a concentration in couples and family therapy and an emphasis in African-American and Caribbean mental health. Edsel is married to his best friend, uh, Nyasha, and together they love to make a difference in their community. Ladies and gentlemen, the future author of the book, Still thirsty, and our friend, our colleague, our boy, Pastor Edsel B. Cadet. Cadet, what's going on? What's up? What's up? What's up, Darren? Sean, good to be on. Good to have another opportunity to be more today. Love the work you guys are doing. March babies forever. You already know what it is. Yes, sir. You already know what it is. Um, We appreciate you, man. I know how Terrence feels about you, but. You know, I love you as a brother, as a friend. You know, we we we've been you were at our church for the longest time, um, pastoring, and we saw you come, we saw you go, and now you're blowing up. We got to organize stuff to to get in contact with you, talk to your secretary, and that, that's that where hard. we're no, at no, now. No, so. no, 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 that's not the case. <laughs> oh man, y'all are too much. No, no, no. You got the number. You shoot the checks. I respond. You know what it is. <laughs> Man, one day, one day, one day, I'll be like, you know what? Yeah. 
Yeah, we're gonna get there. Uh, you guys are so special to me, especially because I, I, I know the growth journey that I'm still on, but especially where I was when we first met. You know, it's it's an interesting thing to be given authority, position, power while you're still really trying to figure so much out. And um, I'm always grateful for people who have been gracious to me in that learning process because it's it's a doozy. There's a lot happening. There's a lot to process. And uh, you guys have been my brothers uh, since then. And I, it's just so invaluable to me, man. Like, I, I, words can't say enough. Yeah, we appreciate you, you Reno. Go ahead, Terrence. You want to say anything about the no, man? No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I, 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 from the time, even when we, we traveled to, to go see the, the, the wedding festivities and, and everything, it's just, he's been a brother. He's been more than just, oh, yeah, that was, that was my assistant pastor. That, right, right, right. Just, it's been a bond that has grown and mm-hmm. it's, it's cool. It's real cool. Yeah, man, definitely. Yeah. So fast, let's get into it, man. We, we, we know you, um, we're super excited for all your growth. We want to kind of highlight and talk about that during this Easter time. Um, I know COVID-19 has been crazy for everyone. We always check mm-hmm. in and see how people are doing, especially now that we're coming out of that. And I just want to know how you're doing, how your family's doing and how you've been during this COVID-19 season. And now going back into a sense of normalcy, you know, how are you in the right. family? Uh, right now, right now we're good. We've had some scary moments. Uh, you know, it's just so unpredictable that the, the shifts and changes that have happened over the last year, uh, no, no, I know I didn't see us not opening our building for a year. I didn't see that coming. Uh, so that, that, that was interesting. It had ups and it had downs. The ups were that I actually like had rest, like on Saturdays on Sabbaths, after the sermon, after the message, I had the afternoon to like take a walk and to not be in a building with programming the entire day. And as much as I love my church members and love my people, it was just nice to not have to be on the go the entire day, um, the way that Sabbath is for so many Adventist pastors. So um, that those were the ups. The downs were, you know, missing out on community, seeing everybody, being able to connect. There's something special about being able to look somebody in the eye when you ask them how they're doing. And even if they say fine, you're you're like Mm-mm, you're not okay. Let's let's talk. Let's let's have some time to to connect. So uh, the drawback was without that kind of engagement. Sometimes as a pastor, I was I was catching things a little later than I would like to. Um, issues that were developing. Sometimes you can just look at a person and be like, Mm-mm, we need to spend some time in prayer. We need to connect a little bit more. Let's get some support to you. Uh, but via StreamYard or, or Zoom or Facebook. YouTube, you just can't see some of those things. So uh, that was tough. But for my family, we're doing well. Nyasha is an ICU nurse. So she was dealing with people who were, uh, you know, who, who had the virus on a day-to-day basis. And that was scary. Um, but by the grace of God, you know, we're both vaccinated now. Um, my my family in New York, they're vaccinated. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping that things can get better from here. Awesome. I'm glad to hear you vaccinated. We had a whole show actually last week on, I had a doctor from the CDC in DC talking about vaccinations and how important it is. So I'm always yeah. grateful and, and excited when I hear people, especially in, in the communities of faith who are getting vaccinated because right. there's, there's so many stigmas and myths about, you know, that's a whole other show by itself, but I it appreciate you sharing yeah. that. Yes, thank Definitely. you very so much. Um, now, you know, I, I, I know you, I know your story, you know, as you know, my wife's an attorney and a number of pastors um, have always given that duality in terms of what they wanted to do, either right. going the law school route or going the divinity route. 
Um, and you chose the divinity route. And I've, I've heard your story before about why you did, but I want you to kind of share with the listeners um, what it was that made you decide definitively that you wanted to go the line of ministry as opposed to the line of law. Right. Great question. I don't think I ever wanted to go. I think at mm-hmm. some point I felt like I better go or else there are going to be issues. Um, I Well, one, I should explain why I chose to get involved with law. Um, I wanted to advocate for people. I wanted to be there for people in their time of greatest need. I wanted to uh, practice being a defense attorney and uh, work as a public defender. Um, so I wasn't in it really for like the dough or, you know, the acclaim, but I, I just saw that as an area of need and I wanted to be of service. Um, now there was prestige and, and money that would come along with it, but the core of it was I wanted to be there for people uh, when they needed help and support the most. Um, and I think one of the one of the pivotal things that happened, I remember I was organizing a trip um, to a youth conference in in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I organized a bus. I I couldn't afford to fly down. So I said, you know what, let me organize a coach bus that'll go down to save me some cost on the trip. Um, That's just where I was at 2021. Um, I don't know what gave me the, the gall to think, can't fly, organize a 55 passenger coach bus. People from Massachusetts and New Jersey, New York are going to fill the bus so that you can get down there for cheap. But that's what happened. there was a bus in New Jersey that shut down. There's a bus in Massachusetts. They shut down. They said, we're going to join the bus in New York. And I said, cool. They filled the 55 passenger bus. They got down there for cheap. And what's crazy is that on the bus, there were several attorneys who expressed to me uh, some kind of regret about like, man, they feel like God called them to um, ministry or to something more. And I started to see my life in them. I started to see like, because I, I had this, this inkling feeling this ain't it. This is good. You know, people are proud of you. People are, are excited about the potential um, when you go to law school. But there was this nagging feeling that there was more for me than that. Um, but I didn't want to acknowledge it because I was like, I'm about to take the LSATs. Let's, you know, actually, I had already taken the LSATs. So I was waiting for my score. And I was like, let's just finish this law school thing. It's going to look great. And um when I met those attorneys and I heard their testimonies and I saw that they were not as fulfilled as they would like to be, I started to see that if I pursued this path, if I ignored what my instincts were saying, if I ignored what what the spirit was telling me, I would wake up one day and regret. And I hate regret. Like regret is one of those things. If I could avoid it, I I avoid it like the plague. So Um, I remember when I went down to the youth conference, I saw ministry in a way that I had never experienced it before. It wasn't full of politics. It wasn't full of drama. It was just people who were sold out and serving and engaged and using creative means to reach communities. And I was like, this is it. Like, if this is what ministry can be, then I can be in ministry. And went home, told the family. Family was distraught. They were like, no, you're so close. Just go to law school. And there was, there was definitely a, a struggle for several months um, where people were not having it. They were just like, this isn't it. Uh, but slowly and surely, you know, it, things turned around, went off to Andrews and just confirmation after confirmation that this was the path. So I, I'm grateful that, that I made the switch. I made the switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. And I think a lot of people get caught um, doing whatever their parents think they should do or just following whatever they've already invested so much in 
But, you know, for right. you to say, yeah, I just follow my heart. And again, no regrets, you know, um, right. that that brought you to a place where you are now. And, you know, clearly we're just looking at you and where you've been, where you are now and just seeing you preach every single week in various capacities. Um, it, it shows that you're confident and you're happy with the decision that you made. Um, I really can tell. You can tell. Yeah, I really am. I'm not making the money that I would have made as an attorney, but <laughs> I'm fulfilled. And you know what? This is the thing. Like, God has been making up the difference. Mm. Like, it might not be coming in, in the in the salary line, but it is showing up in other places, like spaces where I would have had expenses and now I don't have expenses. So it's not just like what I'm able to, to make, but also God is showing up in what I'm able to hold on to, what I'm able to retain and keep. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm grateful for, for how God has been moving, man. It's, uh, it's been really great. That's a big time statement. And, you know, I, I, I look now at what you've been doing in terms of not just giving to your community and feeding your congregation. You also, um, pursued further to get this clinical, um, aspect to your life, really. And looking at, um, our people, African-American people, communities and looking at mental health. Um, what is it about this? demographic and this particular um part of this demographic to the mental health that that really entices you to want to get back and learn more about it definitely uh yeah we need it like we've been through so much we've experienced so much trauma like as a community we we don't even experience trauma individually a lot of like we can right but we also experience collective trauma like when george floyd was killed that was a collective traumatic experience for our community because our communities um, are collectivists in nature. We don't just go through things by ourselves. Other, you know, cultures, they're a little bit more individualistic, but for us, it's like, um, you know, when we hear like there was a shooter, we're like, don't let him be black. Don't let him be black. Don't let him be. Because as a community, like we feel these things, right. And, and when uh, something happens or the person is black, right. As a community, we feel shame. We experience these things together. Um, but unfortunately, uh, because of because of the hit of medicine in this country and, and in the world and how Black people have been just used and abused by uh, medical professionals, we have a stigma towards, towards services being rendered. And the sad reality is, is that advances are historically have been made on the backs of Black people where we were the test subjects to learn about certain birthing processes and learn about certain uh, methods and techniques where, you know, Black people were kidnapped and surgery illegally performed on us in order to learn about certain things, right? But then because of that experience, when that technology is now developed, we are the last people to reap the, the rewards or the benefits of that advancement in knowledge, right? So it's just, it's such a terrible disparity where we are used to gain the knowledge, but then because of how we're mistreated in the attainment of that knowledge, we're the last to, to take advantage of what has been learned. Um, so with that, you know, there's just this huge stigma um, in Black communities, in, in our churches that, you know, if you go to see a therapist, you're crazy. Um, and I think that my the duality of my position as, as a pastor, um, as a black man, uh, can create a space where somebody doesn't have to feel crazy in order to speak to a therapist, in order to, you know, seek counsel in marriage and family therapy. So, uh, when I found this program and I saw the intersection of clinical mental health counseling, marriage and family therapy, it's providing licenses in both those areas. And then, 
uh, an emphasis in African, African-American and Caribbean mental health, I was just like, this is it, <laughs> you know, like we, we have to go here. So uh, yeah, I have a deep passion for our communities just because so many times the church is like the hub for the resource. It's like, if we need something, we have to go to the church. And I gotta be honest, as much as I enjoy being a pastor and I see the power of the church and what God does through his church, there are limits to what I as a pastor can do for people. There are limits to the services that I can provide. There are just some things that I'm not trained in. And what I've experienced is I've experienced doing the Bible study, walking people through biblical, biblical principles, and then making it 90 yards but not to the goal line because there's a mental health issue. There's trauma. There's something else that is, that is in the way that needs to also be addressed. Um, so I'm not saying that God is not enough, but what I'm, I am saying is that God does use therapists. He does use uh, other people in other professions to help people make it to where they want to go. So all of that was the impetus to saying, I want to go down that path. And plus I've been in therapy myself and I just know the blessing it has been to me, it has saved my ministry, it has saved my, my, my relationships, like how I view life, like therapy, y'all get therapy. Like it's, it's, I didn't think I needed it. In fact, when I sat down with my therapist the first time I was in seminary and people were like, you should, you should go see somebody. And I'm like, I'm good. Like, what you mean? Like, I don't need that. And I, I, I learned that in university, like your tuition covers the therapy, right? So I was like, okay, this is kind of, it's not free, but it's already paid for. So why should I wait till later on, until I'm out of seminary to go pay for a therapist? I was like, I'm going to get this thing while, <laughs> while it's paid for and at least make sure that there's nothing under the hood that I'm covering up that, that I'm not aware of. And, I, and now it's manifesting in how I lead or it's manifesting in my relationships so I sat down with my, with my therapist and I was like, I don't think I need to be here, but I don't want to find out in a year that I should have been here. Mm. I don't want to find out while I'm leading that there are blind spots and handicaps and issues that, that I could have become aware of, but I didn't because I was prideful. And I don't want to find out in my marriage or my relationships that I got stuff going on under the hood. Um, if I can deal with it now, let me deal with it now. So let's at least check. I don't think you're going to find nothing. And my therapist was amazing. We found a whole lot that <laughs> needed to be dealt with, that needed to be addressed. And um, I'm just so forever grateful because I'm talking a lot, but yeah, it's going to be what's going to be. Um, it would have been, it would have been really hard for me to catch some of the issues that I was dealing with because the very same things my issue, a lot of issues, they, 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 they have two sides to them. They're not all just negative. There, there are positive qualities that come along with them as well. And the, the way that my issues are manifesting, I have this thing with helping people and being like a little bit of a savior complex, like Superman, like Lois Lane needs help. Let's, you know, we out there. Um, those were things that were helping me grow in ministry. Uh, but and because they were helping me grow in ministry and that was my focus, I wasn't seeing how they were hurting me uh, emotionally and in my relationships. So it would have been really hard to catch how the thing that is helping me elevate and grow in my, in my profession and in my calling is the very thing that if not managed properly and watched carefully 
is tearing down relationships and causing me to be uh, unhealthy and, un and unbalanced. So yeah, that revelation there was like, ministry is good. Seminary is good. Theology is good. Jesus is good all the time. Um, but I didn't learn any of this in the classroom. I had to sit down in a therapist chair to really learn that. Um, so yeah, that's how we got here. Yeah, I mean that all, all big statements, all huge statements. And you know, I, I I agree with you on the mental health capacity that you know it's, it's always great to hear ministers of people of faith promoting mental health and counseling, because usually it's always pray about it. Gotta get you through it. You can just pray, you can pray through that. You're okay. Your, your faith's not big enough. You gotta pray harder. Yeah. And right. you know, it's like you said. Sometimes you're praying so you can meet the right therapist. Sometimes you're praying so you can go to therapy. Sometimes you, you said you right. can only bring someone so far and you need someone who's a trained professional to get you over that hump. And, um, you know, I, I think you you devoting your life to that and then studying it and applying it to other people in your congregation and in your in your your circle is, is, is phenomenal. I think that's what most, if not all of us as ministers of the faith or ministers in, in the pulpit should be doing um, because there's something that we just really can't tackle on our own. And, you know, I, I personally have not been to as much therapy as I, I'd like. I've been to therapy a couple of times and I only really went when I had a problem. Um, I didn't mm. go, you know, in your kids situation when you say, you know, let me just go see what's going on. I wish I had done mm. that. I wish I had gone just to see, hey, let me see what, where, you know, what can come under the surface, because I'm sure there are things there. You know, I went when I had an issue. Um, but most of us just went like we go see a doctor just to kind of see what's going on. Go get your checkup, you know, right. see what's going on with right. you. I'm sure we'd all recognize that there are things that we're dealing with and battling with that we could have someone help us through. So, you know, kudos mm -hmm. to you for seeing that ahead of time. And I'm glad that it's working out for you in various ways. Um, I'm also very curious to know, you know, during this time of, 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 of crisis, the, the messages of hope that people are putting out there have been various. And, I, and I've seen, you know, many people try to engage with congregations, engage their people through Zoom and through other mediums, because it's so hard not to see people, especially mm -hmm. as a pastor who doesn't see people on a regular basis. You know, I've seen ministers either leave the church completely and say, I can't do this and find other means of work um, mm -hmm. because they don't feel relevant in, in, their, in, their, in their sanctuaries anymore because there's no more connection. Or they mm -hmm. found other ways to, to be relevant, to find people to go on social media, to go on, um, you know, various platforms to reach your congregations. Um, what's the message of hope that you've been sending out to um, your flock, your congregation, Cambridge SCA, et cetera. And how have you been doing that successfully during this time? Uh, great question. Great question. So I've tried my best, like as much as our church services, they're designed to be a source of, a, of hope and encouragement to be that extra boost when the week has been tough and things have been challenging. Um, I also think that the pandemic is, is an opportunity to get very real about issues that were glossed over before, challenges that were kind of soothed by the worship service so that people could continue to ignore certain things, right? So as much as, you know, we, we were designing the worship service to still be a source of hope, because you never know when that person is just on their last, uh, on, on their last leg and they just, they, they got nothing left and they need that, but also providing an opportunity to just be real about the struggle, be real about what church has been and how church should never be again. Um, so one of the things that we've been doing is every once in a while, we organize a, uh, an online Zoom program called 
the lobby. It's not highly advertised because it's not for the masses. It's not for everybody who sees on Facebook and Instagram. It's for our church community. Um, and it's called the lobby because the lobby is typically where people connect. You know, it's like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Da, da, da. Um, so we call it the lobby. It's kind of just free flowing. There's no organized program, but it's an opportunity to check in, but also an opportunity to start working through some of the, the fake stuff that we, the, 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 the mask and the, the facade we put on in public and even in church where we need to be vulnerable. We need to be open um, in order to receive support and in order to receive healing. So uh, right now we're in this process where we're looking at restarting and we're not calling it reopening. Um, I got this from the Andy Stanley uh, leadership podcast where he was just talking about like, if you reopen and you go back to <laughs> the way things used to be. Um, so take an opportunity to restart. To, and so I've been challenged my board and I'm going to be challenging my church shortly to start visioning something different for the church. Um, let's identify things that should have changed anyway, should have stopped anyway, that we, it was just hard to stop because of the momentum and how things were flowing. And let's stop those things. Let's look at the things that we needed to start anyway, that we, it was more difficult to start um, before the pandemic. Um, and let's look at some of the things that we've learned. And we're just going through this process where we're identifying things that they're just not working. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we do it because it's like kind of a culture that we've inherited and it's, part of the way that we're used to doing things. Well, when we look at how effective this is in our community, how this how effective this is for our church body, some stuff just got to go. It's got to change. Um, so uh, in that sense, I'm, I'm really, I don't want to compound the tragedy of the pandemic by not changing post-pandemic, by going back to the way things used to be. Um, so we're having real conversations about like being honest with one another, um, not gossiping about one another, not allowing the things that you wear or the things that the way that you look be such a determinant of how people perceive you spiritually. You know, like this is some of the stuff that's just not as critical or as important as people have traditionally thought they were like, let's get past it and let's get focused on what's real and what's important. So um, there's been a lot of like behind the scenes internal work just because the nature of the pandemic has made it so that so much of ministry is like out there for everybody to see. But some of the work that needs to be done doesn't need to be done in public. It needs to be done behind closed Zoom doors where family can just talk and we can hash things out and we can gain clarity and understanding. So um, that's that's what's been going on. That's 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 what's up, man. Um, I also I wanna I wanna just go back a second and really thank you for talking about therapy. I mean, mm -hmm. that's one of those things that um our community really shuns away from until like there's a problem and a problem occurred in my life, and it's just like, all right, I need to I need to see a therapist. Mm -hmm. I need to, you know, I feel like I need to, and unfortunately. I ran into what I feel was the wrong therapist. Mm. And just on the initial interview, I was just like, well, I'm having this issue. And it's like, well, okay, well, what, you want to talk to me about something? Or you? And I was just like, well, maybe I don't need to. Like, mm. okay, maybe I need to just go pray. You know, you're making me feel like mm. I'm coming to you in vain. Like, the, And I backed away from the whole thing. And I said, yeah, I'm calling another, but I never did. And mm. the fact that you talked about it for just mental health checkup, Mm -hmm. It inspired me to go, yeah, maybe I should, you know, right, go right. look at that before things, you know, something else 
makes it come up and then it's like, ah, I should have went the first time. So I just wanted to thank you on on that level. Definitely, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, your candidness is is really is really cool. It's really cool. And then Thanks, I also man. wanted to bring up the fact that we recorded a Words for Life track, uh, and your pain, but not your life. Right. About uh, suicide and suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when we recorded it, neither one of us could have seen what was about to happen in mm-hmm. the world with this pandemic. Right. And I wanted to ask, what's one of the most effective ways you found to encourage people to either open up or, or, or talk about those, those real life, real life struggles? Good question. Good question. So I want to say something about your experience. One, kudos for even going and working past all the stigma of what people might think and, you know, what you might think about yourself if people find out, all of that. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to say, you know, not every therapist is a good fit. Uh, I encourage people, interview your therapists. And by that, it doesn't mean like you might, you can have a list of questions, but that initial, those two to six first sessions, you're just taking time to feel the guy out, feel the lady out, you know, see if, a phone call. This was even before. Yes. Oh, oh, wow. Mercy. Mercy. Yeah. And because what they teach us is that I think about 70 to 80% of the, the healing that goes on um, in therapy is based on the therapeutic relationship. So if there isn't a good bond, if there isn't a good connection, if you don't feel like mm, this person gets me, then then switch, find somebody or look for somebody who uh, who works for you. Um, not every therapist is going to work. We, we, we all have different, um, different modalities or ways of thinking about psychodynamic therapy that influence how we engage with clients and how we perceive the challenges. Um, so yeah, try again, bro. Try again. Um, it's, it's, it's worth it. It's so worth it. Um, but, uh, in terms of yes, end your pain, but not your life it's tough. It's tough to, we we live in a society that is just so messed up sometimes, a lot of times that people only feel safe when they're guarded. So just creating safe spaces where people, where they, somebody can say something crazy and you don't flinch and you're like, I get it. Even if I haven't done that, I understand the inclination behind that. And I've had that inclination, right? Even if my process didn't lead me all the way to your end result, I know what it is to uh, feel like you're losing, like you're losing your mind, or to feel like you want to do something crazy or do something heinous. Even like I can relate, and I think creating that space where, um, especially as a pastor, I think I have an opportunity from from the top down to create that space where I normalize something. And I'm like, look, we struggle with this and we deal with that, right? And we're not gonna shy away or hide. We're not gonna, you know, hide under our fancy church hats or our nice suits. But like, if the pastor said it now, so what? Now, what you gonna do? Uh, um, And one of the things I encourage people with, so one, I try to create an atmosphere by being vulnerable, by being transparent. And also people can't gossip about your testimony. Right. They can only gossip about what's supposed to remain a secret. But once you're like, yeah, this happened and Jesus is better, is bigger, you know, like he's bigger than my story. He's bigger than, than what I did. And he's redeemed me and he saved me. Where's the juice? You know what I mean? Like when you call somebody and you're like, yo, I heard that. da da da. Yeah, I said it. You know what I mean? Like, 
it's not gossip if it's a testimony. Um, and the testimony doesn't always have to be shared uh, at the end of the story when it's like, we're all better. No, it's like mid-struggle. I'm in this right now. And Jesus, Jesus is Lord. You know, he's, he's working stuff out of my life. He's, he's healing me. Um, so one of the ways I do, and, and I think it's been effective because I've seen people, you know, reach out and be open and be honest is I initiate. I'm the first to tell my story. I'm the first to share my struggle. I'm the first to put it out there. Um, when something crazy goes on in the world, and I know we all think in them thoughts, I'm going to say it. You know what I mean? Not in a way that makes it so that it means nothing, but in a way that lets people know, like, you're not alone. And this is a place where, where we can talk about those things and we can find healing together. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Um, I want to talk a little bit. I, I got to bring it up. The book, Still Thirsty. Still Thirsty. Uh, yeah, Still Thirsty. I saw the title. I was just like, I didn't even know there was a thirsty before that. So I started uh, back reading. I'm like, right, right, right. Oh, this is going to be deep. So tell us a little about a little bit about Still Thirsty and what was the inspiration for Still Thirsty since Thirsty was already out there? Right, right, right. So yeah, uh, Dr. C. Wesley Knight, brilliant guy, a uh, friend of mine, a uh, co-author for Still Thirsty, just dynamic speaker. People know him. Uh, he wrote the book Thirst and I, I got the book and I said, let me, let me read this. I'll be honest. You know, I think a lot of us, especially in our, in our faith group, we, we tend to collect books and we don't always read them. Right. Like we have libraries and libraries and it's like, yeah, I'm going to read this. Right. And we didn't, we never get around to it. Uh, however, I said, let me give this one a try. So I started reading it and it was just such a blessing in terms of uh, dealing with the topic of sexuality and dealing with uh, spirituality. I think one of the things that's happened in our churches is we don't just teach abstinence, but we abstain from talking about sex. And what happens is that, you know, the world, society, media, the enemy, they're happy substitute teachers, right? I was asking a group um, and people, you know, watching and listening, when did your parents ever have the talk with you? Um, they're, I'm 32, I'm 33 now, <laughs> March Babies Forever. Um, hold on, I'm 34 now. I'm 34. <laughs> um, I still never got the talk. You know, I'm a married man, never got the talk. But what that means is that when I got married, it's not the first time I learned about sex. So, so where was I learning about it from, right? I was learning about it at school um, and not from the teachers, right? I was learning about it from my boys. I was learning about it from the media and from television. And those are just not sources that properly depict explain uh, the role and the power of sexuality. Even when you think about, you know, over the past few years, there have been several Hollywood producers who have been canceled because of their sexual impropriety. So now let's think about what it means for the Hollywood producers who are producing the media that is informing society about sex, that those people have been depraved, that those people have been, uh, uh, have been guilty of sexual misconduct, those people have been abusive. And those people are the people who have been writing the media curriculum on sexuality that we have been absorbing, that we've been trying to live out. And it has just wreaked havoc in so many lives. Um, so, yeah, thirst was it was an eye-opening read for me to to learn about the role of sexuality and spirituality. And it wasn't there was not one time in the book where it said just don't do it. You know, like it just went so much deeper into what we're really looking for, what we're really seeking after. So after reading it, um, I you know got several copies. 
my church singles ministry, we started reading through it together. And there were just so many questions and discussions flowing out of it, out of the book club. And um, even in just in my travels ministry, lots of questions about relationships, lots of questions about uh, sexuality from young people, young adults, and from married people. And that's kind of one of my wheelhouses. Uh, and I was like, man, we need a follow-up that gives people tools on how to live this out. Um, so that was triggered in my mind. Little did I know that a few months later, I'd meet Dr. Knight. We would form a great friendship and bond. And at one point he was just like, hey, let's uh, let's work on an outline for Still Thirsty. So we worked on an outline for Still Thirsty. I was like, all right, cool. Happy to do that. Cool. Now, I guess you're going to go, you're going to go right now. And he was like, let's start working on chapters. And I was like, okay, we're working on chapters. And then like midway through the process, I'm like, hold up. I think I'm co-authoring a book. Like, I think, <laughs> I think something is happening here. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, We've, we've co-authored this book that is like a really practical guide on helping people develop the spiritual and emotional tools and strengths to live out uh, a lot of the principles that you learn from thirst. So I really recommend for people to get both. Uh, it's the Still Thirsty is a companion book to thirst, and they really work well together. You can read Still Thirsty by itself. It's very powerful on its own, but the two together gives you uh, the full experience. Nice, nice. And now if I... If I could just tap into your brain just a Go little ahead. bit. Um, Go ahead. What do you feel is, well, why do you feel sex is so misused? It's so misused because it's so misunderstood and advertised in the wrong way, right? So, like, sex is just so pervasive in our society. You know, you can't even watch. There are no safe channels. Aside from PBS, like, I remember when ABC was a safe channel where you could watch ABC uh, before Desperate Housewives, right? <laughs> you could watch ABC. You could sit down with the family and you were good, right? After certain shows, it just turned into this thing where you knew, all right, Fox is going to give you this. NBC is going to give you, like, you knew there were certain things you couldn't watch. But, man, it's just one of those things that's so saturating our society where even if the show is wholesome, the commercials are wild. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know if you guys have ever had that experience where suddenly you're with people and you're watching something, you just pull up your phone and you're like... I don't see what's happening. I don't understand. Um, but I think one of the reasons why it's, it's so powerful is because it's so pervasive. People have seen the power of sex and they use it to sell shampoo. They use it to sell their products. They use it to advertise because what happens physically in the sexual experience is tremendously powerful. Like we cannot, there are certain functions in our body that we can't control. Like when you experience trauma, your body and mind will, will respond in a certain way in order to protect you. Um, you can't control it. You don't choose it. It happens. It's built into you. The same happens with sexuality where certain chemicals are released into the brain that cause you to find uh, that, that, that diminished pain, that heightened pleasure that cause you to, to feel bound to the person that you're having the experience with. You're not choosing this. It happens. It's part of our biological makeup. And because it's such a powerful experience that involves both the mind and the body, um, you know, you can have experiences where you just smell a perfume, you know, you, you, you see something that just reminds you of an experience and your body goes into uh, auto drive on its own, where it's just, it's just operating, right? Like you're like, no, and your body's like, it's going to be what it's going to be. Um, so in that way, you know, 
sex is is powerful it's addictive it's um it's something we 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 don't understand very well and the society has found ways to capitalize on it to the detriment of many 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 people so um our hope is to provide some perspective uh i think the last thing i keep forgetting to say on this is Many times what when we see sexuality in, on television, right? The, the person's like elated, right? They might pull out a cigarette, like this, like, whew, like, ah, like that whole experience that that communicates euphoria, it communicates intimacy, it communicates pleasure, it communicates all these things that we want. Mm-hmm. And I think the message that people have gotten is sex will get me that. And that's just not true. Um, it's the reason why relationships might be built on sex, but they never they never last because of sex. Uh, what we're really looking for is love. What we're really looking for is intimacy. What we're really looking for is validation, uh, uh, commitment, uh, a safe space, right? And we have learned to use sex to get those things, but sex was not designed to create those things. It was designed to celebrate those things. Um, Sex was designed that in the space where there's already love and acceptance and uh, vulnerability and and validation and affirmation, all of those things, sex is the culmination, is the celebration of those things, which is why it was designed for the context of marriage, where those things are there. And then now sex celebrates the existence of those things. Um, But for a lot of people, they use sex to try and get those things. And while it might relieve a physical desire, the deeper need still remains. So we, you know, we go back and we're like, ah, something's missing. I'm still looking for it. I just don't feel like they might love me. Um, it's because sex was never designed to create that. It was designed to celebrate those things. They have to already exist for you to have the best sex of your life. Nice. I'm, I'm glad you explained that because media does do that. They make you go, oh yeah, I want that. Even if you don't have the experience yet, it's just like, yeah, but that's what I want. And right. this is going to get me what I think I want. And so, and then when it doesn't happen, you go, must have been the wrong person. Right. Let me go get, you know, and, and it's this, it's this train that if it doesn't, mm. if the train, if the, per, if the conductor does not get educated and which right. I know thirsty and, and thirst and still thirsty mm-hmm. uh, is designed to do. Right. Um, you, you, you're headed for, for a bad path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sex is so powerful that it will send you signals that are not real. It'll make you think that you love this person or that they love you when they don't. It will cause you to look past red flags. Like when you, you like, I know a lot of us, we're the person we have sense for everybody else. When they need a relationship, or we see, when they need relationship advice, we see it clearly, right? But suddenly it, when it's us, you know, we're not processing anything, right? But that's just how powerful sex is, where in the context of marriage, being able to look past faults and issues is powerful, right? But in the context of dating, it is terrible because it can cause you to link up with somebody who wasn't, does, that's not thats not who you're supposed to be with. Um, so doing things in the right context really makes a difference. Nice, nice. And so you, you're doing so many things. I mean, so many things that I think are, are so great. Let me ask this. What's next for you and your ministry? What's next? What's next? That's a good question. So for me, I really believe like God does, God doesn't waste experiences. I believe God recycles. If God were like living right here, like he, he'd be recycling heavy where it's like nothing is wasted. Everything is going to be used and repurposed for something else. Um, so I'm always looking for the intersection of my experiences and my education to see like 
what's next, right? So I'm always looking for, all right, God, what are you going to do with this English degree? What are you going to do with this master's in divinity? And what are you going to do with um, the clinical mental health counseling, marriage and family therapy, African and African-American Caribbean uh, mental health? It's a, it's a long, it's a long thing. Uh, I think what's next is I, I want to write another book. Uh, this one, I, I was able to partner with Dr. Knight and we co-authored it together. I think the next one is going to be uh, me by myself. And what I'd like to do is write a book that deals with um, mental health and healing from trauma and uh, past wounds that also uh, shows biblical principles that correlate with them. Because uh, one of the things that I'm experiencing is as I'm sitting in class and as I'm learning about mental health therapy, um, so many times it's confirming things that are already in the word. And I'm not saying that the word cancels out the need for therapy. No, but what truth is truth, right? So if it's true and if it works, it, it's going to be found in both places. Um, so there are definitely aspects to mental health counseling that I'm not seeing in, in the scriptures. They're just too in-depth in medicine and things of that nature. The scriptures are not designed to cover that. But in terms of like relational dynamics, when I sit in my marriage and family therapy class, I'm like, yes, that makes sense. Chapter and verse over here in the word confirms the very same thing um, in terms of how to resolve conflict and how to communicate um, and so many other relational dynamics. So uh, I would love upon graduation or shortly after, I've already started working on an outline for it um, to write a book that covers um, how to heal from trauma and past pain and, and how to work through certain mental health issues that are bolstered by biblical passages and narratives that kind of give a terrain for um, how to navigate those spaces in life. There's a lie in the church that people who have faith should never suffer from suicidal ideation. And that's just not reality. Just because you have faith doesn't mean you're protected from pain and people can never predict how you're going to respond to pain. People think that they understand your pain, but they really honestly don't because they don't know how you're experiencing what you're going through. Even if they've gone through the same thing or something similar, you're a different person, so it hits you differently. But your pain does not have to define your life. See, for many people who have come to the edge and who have maybe even attempted suicide, if they have survived their attempt, many people say that they didn't want their life to end but what they wanted to end was their pain. And the question I think we need to wrestle with is, do I want my life to end or do I want my pain to end? And there is a way to end your pain without ending your life. See, just because you have faith doesn't mean that, that, that you'll never wonder and that you'll never think about taking your life. Even Elijah, the prophet of God, at one point asked God to take his life. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, he literally asked God to end his life. And God, being a wise and loving God, responds to him with empathy and with encouragement. First thing that God does to help bring Elijah back from the edge is that God gives Elijah some food. This tells us that sometimes we're down, sometimes we're depressed, sometimes we're on the edge because of how our body is enduring or going through what we're dealing with. Sometimes it's just that we're tired. Sometimes it's just that we're hungry. Sometimes it's that it's that it's that we're exhausted. And when our body is depleted, our thoughts will also reflect what's going on with our bodies. 
The other thing that God does is that God changes Elijah's perspective. Elijah believes that he's the only prophet in all of Israel that is still honoring and worshiping the one true God. And isn't it just like us to believe from time to time that I'm the only one who's going through this. I'm the only one who understands. I'm the only one who's in this situation. So God has to let Elijah know the perspective you have is not accurate. Yes, you're in pain. Yes, you're lonely. Yes, you're tired. But there are 7,000 other prophets that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And this encourages Elijah, one, for him to recognize that, hey, I need some food in my life. I need to take care of my body. But then two, for him to recognize that his perspective is not permanent, that his perspective is not the reality and that there is a greater reality at hand. The reality is there are others who are still experiencing what he's experiencing and they're holding on. And this encourages Elijah for him to realize, one, I'm not by myself. And two, the same way God has sustained them, God will also sustain me. What I want you to remember is that though you may want your pain to end, that does not mean that your life has to end. There are other ways of ending your pain without ending your life. God ends Elijah's pain by giving him some food. God ends Elijah's pain by shifting his perspective. And God ends Elijah's pain by encouraging him to hold on so that he can come to the point where he recognizes that his life is bigger than his pain. If you're considering ending it, hold on, allow your perspective to change, and your pain will end, and your life doesn't have to. I hope that for somebody who might be considering making a permanent decision based off of a temporary feeling, that this is the kind of message that will encourage you to keep on going. If you're considering committing suicide, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Folks, if you're just joining us, episode 54 of the Be More Today show, we're here with our boy, our pastor, SB Connect, uh, pastor of Cambridge SDA, co-author of the book, Still Thirsty, and a man of many talents, as you guys have already seen. Um, and so I read Thirsty. I mean, I read Thirst. Um, I read Thirst about a year and a half ago. Actually, me and Eugene read it together. And wow. it's a powerful book. Um, whether you are married or not married, it's a book that really just gets to the core of all the stigmas and all the myths and all the things that we see that just trick us. And, and it just simplifies right. the urges and how our body works. And um, it's, it's powerful. It's a powerful book. So if you haven't gotten that book, I, I definitely recommend anyone listening to go out and get it. And I'm sure so thirsty will just piggyback on that and take it to the next level. So excited about the book, excited to, to read it. I'm going to pre-order my book um, sometime this week for sure. Um, but, you know, as, you, as you're doing so many things and we appreciate and, and admire your journey, um, I know that there is still an underlying hope that we all have as people. And as a minister of the word, um, I know that you um, have a heavy burden to see so many things, see so many people and have to, to really assess you know, what's most important um, for the person and, and for your community. So I'm curious if you could change one thing in the world, only one, um, what would that one thing be? Okay, <laughs> great question. Um, I can give you a pastoral answer and then I'll give you a non-pastoral answer. Is that all right? 
Yeah. Okay, cool. So pastoral answer. I want everybody to be a believer and a real believer, right? Not just somebody who's a church attendee or church goer or whose politics align with certain kinds of uh, religious ideology. No, like a believer, somebody who knows Jesus. If I, if my one wish is like everybody had a deep abiding and loving relationship with Jesus, amen, we're done, right? Let's go home. Um, so that's the minister in me, right? If uh, or the, and the Christian in me. Let's suppose it's not that. Then I think what I would want is free quality education for everyone, accessible to everyone, free quality education. I think education is the magic bullet uh, to so many things, to the cures uh, for so many illnesses and disease. I, I think it, it helps people out of um, so many situations. And I think the more we learn, the better we are able to understand one another. So free quality education for everyone, everyone. Um, I think that would be it. Nice, nice, nice. Um, let, 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 me, let, let me ask this question. And I've always heard it asked, you know, if you, if you ran into your younger self. Mm-hmm. And I always used to think, oh, okay, if I saw myself. But if you see somebody that you can identify mm-hmm. yourself in and they're younger, what mm. advice would you give them? Right. So what would I say, little Randall? Say to little Randall, if yeah, you guys yeah. watch This Is Us, um, the Randall comparisons, it's just like, anyway, uh, let's stay focused. What would I tell myself? I would say, trust your instincts. Um, so many times in my life, like my instincts were like spot on. And then I would talk myself out of it. Like, no, 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 that's not really what you're seeing. And it always led to the trouble. So I would definitely tell myself, Trust your instincts. Sometimes your body's more intelligent than your brain. Sometimes, you know, there, there's an extra sense. The Holy Spirit is speaking. And you just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it's not real. And there have been many times where it's like there were things I could not explain. And because I couldn't explain it, I couldn't rationalize it. I dismissed it. And that it was always to my detriment. Um, this isn't to say I should operate on irrational things, but there were some people call it inklings. Some people call it, you know, the moving of the spirit, but I just knew and I ignored. So I, I would tell young Edsel, don't ignore your instincts. Uh, they're there for a reason. They're built in. Uh, they've been developing and growing. You can trust them. And um, whenever I have trusted my instincts, listened to the voice of God, and also leaned on confirmation from the word, it's what led to the $2.3 million building. It's what led to the decision to go into ministry. It's what led to the decision to go into mental health. Every major decision has always been coupled by those two things. It's what led to me finding my wife. Um, so it's it's the way. Nice. Mm. Shout out to little Randall, you know, you know, uh, Ryan Sharp is our podcast buddy, right? It's me, Terrence and Ryan. And we all kind of start our podcast collectively at the same time. Be more today, share words for life. Um, And the what a word podcast. And I listened to your episode with him talking about this is us and your comparison to that character. And I see similarities clearly, clearly you do too. Um, But, you know, looking at, at <laughs> looking at how those things can affect us as people, like you said, um, talking about little Randall, um, you know, be more today is that umbrella for us that we talk about. We're looking at um, 
just make the world a better place and really trying to see the bigger picture for all of us, um, whether giving advice to our younger self or giving advice to our older selves and just trying to figure out right. what we can do now to make sure right. that we live today the best and tomorrow mm-hmm. we'll be brighter for our children, mm-hmm. um, our children's children, et cetera. So right. Pastor Cadet, uh, author Cadet, uh, you are now the fifty-fourth person on this show. Um, I need in your best words, when you hear the phrase, be more today, what does that phrase mean to you? Mm, what it means to me is I'm not in competition with anyone except yesterday's version of Etzel. Uh, that's it. I just want to be better, a better version of who I was yesterday, a better version of who I was last year. Um, I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to prove. It's just, we're just trying to do what, what I, I just want to live a life that's poured out. Right. I want at the end of my life to know that I've given all that I can. I've done all that I can. I've experienced what I'm supposed to experience. Um, And each day is an opportunity to take another step in that direction. It's also a reminder that, you know, we don't get there in one day. Just be more today. Right. And then be more the next day as well. Um, But don't expect that I'm going to be 2025 version of Etzel tomorrow. Um, It's going to take that incremental growth, that consistency to get to where I should be in 2025 uh, and, and in the years to follow. So uh, it's a reminder, one, to not be in competition with others. It's a reminder to grow each day. And it's a reminder to be patient with myself as I grow. So I'm just, so, man, I'm so blessed just by the book that you guys have put to, you put out, um, the whole podcast, the whole ministry of just be more today, the encouragement that comes with it. It's, it's so powerful. And I just, I draw on it whenever I can. Nice, nice, nice. Now you mentioned the book, be more today. Um, in, in the book, there's, there's things you want to stop doing and things mm-hmm. you want to start doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you for 2021, what's one of the things you want to start doing in 2021? 2021. I want to start going to bed early and waking up early. Um, I, I, I waste too much of the day uh, <laughs> either going to bed too late and then sleeping through uh, a lot of the morning or, you know, vice versa. So, um, yeah, when I'm up by 5, 6 a.m., there's just so much of the day that I'm able to capture and do stuff with. And uh, so that's one thing I want to start um, and something I want to stop. I want to stop going to bed late. I want to start waking up early. Those are my two things. Nice. Pascal, we appreciate you being on the show so much. Um, Any final tips you want to share with um, either aspiring people who want to get in the ministry, um, aspiring authors, people who are interested in public health or or mental health, um, or any last words of hope during this Easter slash Lent slash Passover season? Um, any words of encouragement you want to share with those who are listening now um, and those who are interested in, again, following you and, and your journey? Yeah, uh, great question. So one first tip advice is follow Be More Today. Uh, you will be blessed. You will be nurtured. Uh, it'll be uh, a really life-changing and encouraging experience. And I think we all need that. We need somebody and something that comes alongside us as we go through life's journey. Um, I would also say, you know, don't ignore the, the red flags, don't dismiss the yellow flags. I think it's the yellow flags that get us caught up and tripped up. The yellow flags where it's just like, it's not quite red, but it's kind of green. Like it's right there in the middle and we get confused and we dismiss those things. Uh, one of my last posts was, 
potential isn't enough. That we oftentimes we we date or we choose mates or choose opportunities based on potential, and we use that as a justification to ignore red flags. Um, and I want to encourage people, you know, don't don't throw away your common sense for an opportunity. Don't um, dismiss those things because those uh, boundaries will protect you throughout the process. Um, so you know, be wise, be discerning, check with other people who have experience. Uh, protect yourself as you pursue um, various opportunities and don't dismiss the red flags. Don't ignore the yellow flags um, and go when there are, are green flags. Uh, yeah, that that's my counsel and wisdom to, to everybody in every walk of life, whether it's in ministry or in therapy or in your personal life. There are signs, there are signals. Don't miss them. Nice. Nice. So you, you got you got to share, man. Where can people find you, follow you, find the book? Oh, Let yeah. us know. Good stuff. Uh, so find me on Instagram. Instagram is really the place where I'm posting most of. So I have this hashtag now called empty to clip. Uh, and the reason why it's called empty to clip is because I for many years, I was this person who it's like I would hoard information and hoard knowledge and be like, I can't put it out because once it's out, then everybody can take it and use it. And it's just like, yo, empty the clip, bro. Like or sometimes I would hold things back because I'm like, man, I might need it for something else. And I just believe that, you know, being creative fosters more creativity. So we're not holding back any more bullets. We just da 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 da. Like as a post come, as wisdom and knowledge and understanding comes, we're just putting it out there. Um, so Instagram is where you're where you're gonna find me uh, posting the most about uh, wisdom and biblical understanding and uh, just encouraging posts. Uh, you can find it on at Etzel B Cadet. Sorry, Etzel B Cadet at Etzel B. Cadet. Uh, if you want to get the book, the book is found at Still Thirsty and Thirst are available at etzelbcadet.org. So definitely visit the website. Uh, follow me on social media. I am also on Facebook, uh, but I don't post that much on Facebook. It's more so Instagram. And I think one of these days I'm, I'm going to get on TikTok. In fact, I already started a TikTok, so I'll start recording soon. Uh, but Etzel B. Cadet for TikTok as well and Twitter. Uh, so yeah. Uh, would love to engage with you in the comment sections and uh, go back and forth and learn from one another. Very exciting. Very exciting. And so we cadet brother, we appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for being on this show. You've made episode 54 one for the books. And I got to say it's happy Easter to everybody, especially for this week. So if you guys get a chance to go out there and get the book, as I said, I read thirst. I know. So thirst is going to be that power packed word that you're going to need. So go out there he gave you all the tags you need. Go out there and support the ministry, support the man, support the book. I'm going to get my copy. I know Terrence will get his copy as well. And just thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Terrence, Sean, you guys do amazing work. Keep on inspiring. Keep on pushing. Keep on setting the bar high. Uh, even if you're not hearing it from people, we are watching and we are inspired. I really want you all to know that. I'm not just saying that because I'm on your podcast. I, I really, I really, 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 really mean that. When I see you guys doing things, it's like, yes, they're pushing. I can push too. So thank you for all you guys do. Awesome. We really appreciate that. And folks, don't forget the quotation from today. Uh, as we said, uh, when they say you've changed, you say I've grown. Um, we talked about a lot of things that we can go through um, for mental health and counseling, um, just to being better people, uh, to pushing the envelope. So let this be the time of the year as spring is here, new growth, new you, uh, get out there and grow, continue to put your 
best foot forward, uh, allow the baggages to kind of go to the wayside, look out for the red flags, like Pastor talked about, the reds and the yellows and the greens, uh, and move when you know the time is ready to move. Uh, we have a great time in our life to really, like he said, not reopen, but restart. And let's restart together mm -hmm. on, on a good note, uh, knowing that we have a chance to really reinvent ourselves and put our better selves forward now as we enter uh, a new year a new year of faith, a new year of ministry, a new year for us to go out there and be the best that we can be. So thank you for joining us, folks. As always, Be More Today is everywhere. Look on our page for our music, our podcast, both Be More Today uh, show and the Words for Life show. Um, our book is on there as well and our music. And if you have any questions or want to reach out to SOB, uh, you can reach us directly at bemore2day at gmail.com. Uh, and as always, the Words for Life show comes out every single Wednesday. Our boy T. Farrell on the show today, putting out power pack words for everyone every single week. So Continue to follow us on all the major platforms, Facebook and Instagram uh, and, and, and Twitter as well. We're out there. Thank you so much for being on this show today. And as we always say, have a good day. Have a good night. Have a great life and continue to take your steps away to be the best version of you. Happy Easter. We'll see you next week. Peace.